Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And today, Father, being in St. Vincent's, that's where the Steelers have their training camp. We were just talking before we started that they're one of the few teams that still have mass to start off as their team building experience. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was how to integrate God into a company. Because we mentioned in the prior cast that in America we have separation of church and state. We don't have separation of church and economy or church and business. And with a lot of people that seems to be something you don't want to bring together for some reason. I just kind of wanted to start off a conversation about why that is and how to how to break down that barrier. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Joe. It's a it's a really important question, and I feel like my response to that question is is uh, continually in development because I observe this more and it becomes a more critical thing for me, and maybe one thing that's just worth mentioning for our listeners to go a little deeper to somebody who's fleshed out this area a little bit is uh, a recent book by Rod Dreher called The Benedict Option. I'm in the middle of reading it and couldn't give you a, a full summary or quotes from the top of my head, but I can say that it's a very thoughtful treatment of the situation of our modern society and the importance of building a Christianity that's truly countercultural. That is to say, so many elements of the modern popular culture are really toxic to our humanity, to be honest. And establishing a Christian commitment and a, a personal Christian faith and then a communal Christian faith, which is really countercultural is a critical task in our day. And what the Steelers are doing, I have to give credit to Art Rooney, and certainly they're just one example, and I can't say the, the, the depth of that commitment if they really got a lot of flack for it, but they're really courageous in having Sports Illustrated, for example, recognize that they're the team that would start their summer training with mass. And that's something that Art Rooney's really proud of. And I give them a lot of credit for being as vocal, as prominent as they are. It's very countercultural. As you said, Joe, mixing religion with, ev with anything is something that the society has really fortified itself against. And I can't say all of the things that go into that, but certainly the idea that, that religion is personal and so that's something that we need to keep our personal life out of our public life, that kind of division, as if our personal convictions and our personal ethics and our personal commitments, as if they could be separated from our public life. It's really a false duality. But somehow that, that real truth that... Uh, religion does involve our free will and so it requires a free commitment and it's not something that we can or should force on anyone that's absolutely true but then that's backed up into I don't want to say anything or promote my own personal beliefs in any way lest I would infringe on someone else's beliefs or 
anyway, there's a mm -hmm. exactly how that developed is is something that I uh, still look, figuring out and still learning how to articulate. But but certainly the importance of living from our personal conviction and our personal ethics is critical. And and you and I have talked about this, and we talked about this uh, on a previous recording when you had just made a business decision based on your personal ethics of how a company was treating their employees and you weren't going to support that. I just had an interview with a bishop from the Sudan on uh, We Are One Body Radio and that gave me an occasion to look into things in the Sudan and I discovered a website called The Enough Project. Now I'm not endorsing that website, I didn't look into it deeply enough, but what I saw was very compelling. The founder of that, Mr. Prendergast, has a desire to show people that their power as consumers can make a difference in fighting violations of human rights and injustices. And mm -hmm. so he holds up the Blood Diamonds movement that really pulled power away from factions in Central African Republic and the awareness now that materials that go into making cell phones are also funding the war in the Congo. and consumer outcry and consumer decisions have caused companies to change their supply chains and not fund those areas. And so there is a real way to make a difference in that space. And it starts with our personal convictions, the way that we run businesses. Thank God for a company like Apple, who's willing to change its supply chain to have a positive impact on human rights. And thank God for consumers who are moved by their pers personal ethics in order to make those decisions. So anyway, the point is, we do need to push into that space. There's a strong impetus to prevent us from doing that, but can we really call ourselves Christian if it's only entirely personal, if it doesn't have an impact in how we deal with people and how we run our businesses and how we live out our commitments? Yeah, I mean, the thing that, that comes up when you asked before about kind of what do you think is, is causing society on this road, it's, it seems to me this whole concept that you can't ever possibly say anything that might offend someone that somehow saying something and that's not under this guise of political correctness that is going to to ruin everything you know that doesn't mean you got to run around and you know be coarse in your language but if you're seeing something that's true it doesn't really matter everyone's going to figure out what the truth is anyway but this whole guise of you can't be offensive you can't do anything like that just basically shut down any opinion that they don't want to hear to me seems to be the, the the cause of it and it's just easier not to deal with it yeah and we have to know how to pick our battles certainly we don't need to fight every silly thing that somebody says or uh, we don't need to become offensive mm -hmm because there's such a push against becoming offensive. So developing a Christian personality that's, that is genuinely gentle, that's genuinely compassionate, even as we might stand against gay marriage, for example, because we believe that marriage as that word has a particular role, uh, the marriage between a man and a woman that is open to the procreation of children is a different kind of relationship than anything else. Mm -hmm. Nothing else can be like that. And so we want to stay very firm and saying that's what marriage is. But that doesn't justify us being harsh and 
attacking people who struggle with same-sex attraction or being gay bashers or homophobics or whatever else. That's So uh, being able to walk that line takes a little bit of delicacy, and I think that's something that has to be internalized. That's something that each of us has to struggle with and find an, an inner conviction and, uh, and a real guidance from the Holy Spirit to live that out in a proper way. And that gets difficult. Uh, one of the things that Roger points out in the Benedict Option is the, the steadily increasing pressure the opposite direction, that if you're a business owner and you don't have an equal opportunity statement that includes lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, equality and employment and uh, affirmative action in order to hire people with those sexual struggles or dispositions, then that can lead to pressure against you mm -hmm. and can be... So anyway, the, it starts to get very difficult. And, and that's where there's a double standard because while people would be horrified if I only wanted to hire Catholics because and I would have reasons for that, not just because I'm bigoted, but because there's a certain harmony in a company and having this similar ethics and whatever else. If I only wanted to hire Catholics, I would, I would be just beaten up or, pre or people with Catholic principles or who held up Christian principles, something like that. On the other hand, there's, a, there's an almost religious fervor behind those who say that you have to hire and support the LGBT community. And that's really a kind of religion. They don't call it a religion. They don't have uh, exercises in worship, but it's really what it's turning into, that kind of ethical push. I'm so glad that you said that because that is actually one of the feelings that I'm getting. You get people essentially being fanatically about it. They have to follow all of these rules and guidelines as far as being politically correct and having all those statements that it seems to be just pushing back more and more and it seems that just nationwide regardless of which religion you follow the less participation people go to their own individuals um, church the more and more this almost secular religion is picking up and it's a problem because on the one hand you know, you're trying to run a store and it's just easier to have you know, you, you attract more bees with honey, so you want to be open and all of that. Um, you know, you don't want to be putting people off in any ways because you're selling something. You need to have them to like you to be able to sell it so you can keep your employees paid and keep their families running. So that's kind of where you don't want to be able to push people off, but at the same time, there's things that just don't compute. And that that's the struggle that we're having here. And and again, we have to be very clear to distinguish between things that are impossible for us morally and things that are just distasteful for us, you know, or, or that's, uh, that's against our preferences or something like that. And that's where we have to make sure to make a stand at those things that are really morally impossible and not just things that, well, I'd rather not. And so... Uh, again, to, I'm not trying to be an advertisement for the Benedict Option, but I've been reading it for several days, and some of these things are in my head now. Uh, he, he brings up an example of uh, a Christian who 
was required to watch some tolerance videos about lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people, and then sign a statement that he had watched the videos. And he refused to watch the videos and refused to sign the statement and, and made a big stand there. Well, it's not morally objectionable to watch videos or to sign a statement. He wasn't being required to say that he agrees or that he's going to do certain things or he's just exposing himself to the information. And anyway, I'm not judging his decision in that either, but just an example of something that's, it, that's not morally impossible for us to do that if we were forced to sign something that says we agree with gay marriage or, you know, mm -hmm. th that's obviously a, a different situation. So being able to make some of those distinctions and stand firm in places that we, it's important to stand firm and otherwise to be open, generous, compassionate. I mean, we, we don't want to cause further harm and damage to people who are already hurting and struggling in different ways. And so want to be careful about that. But I mean, it makes it very challenging to, to run a business. And uh, even for the, the work that you do, Joe, there, there may be some of those uh, hard barriers that you run into in terms of who you rent to or what kinds of things you're complicit in. And anyway, it's, uh, it's a challenging environment to live in. So we want to be very zealous in uh, in, in having a clear understanding of human sexuality, and that's just so key in the particular area. I brought up this whole area, mm -hmm. so it's not your major thing, perhaps. Um, but, you know, we want to be able to, to speak clearly about these things. We want to not just be bigoted and, and prejudiced and just have some kind of knee-jerk reaction because I don't like it. I mean, we should have principled reasons and, and rational explanations for why these things are, are problematic. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you just kind of brought the example of the tenants there. I guess you got to define rational, whether it's something you can measure or not, but you know, I can just kind of tell from my initial interviews with my prospective tenants about whether things are going to work out or not. And it has nothing to do with what religion they are or anything like that. It's just, you know, or, or really any of those other variables. It's just I can just tell from the person whether there's someone who's going to basically be a problem tenant forever or whether they're not and um, I was in a house last week most remarkable thing I've ever been in my life because when I go into houses as a prospective buyer and I'm going particularly in the landlord's houses that have a tenant in them the vast majority of time the reason the landlord is getting rid of the house is they don't want to deal with that tenant or just any tenants again so mm. I'm used to seeing the bombshell and just everything being just neglected beyond measure and, and all those bad things that you can see it's real life and you know going through there I was through one like I said on Thursday where it was immaculate like, like it was clean there was nothing out of the way and I told him I was like even if she's faking it right now knowing that you're coming through the fact that A, she cares enough, and B, that she can, just flat out means... It says a lot. It does. It does. And, you know, his is a unique situation. He wasn't done with the tenants. He was just done with working. He was ready to retire in California. But, you know, that's that's a lifestyle change. But um, it was it was really kind of interesting seeing that. and Something that we're going to be, you know, very easy to make the transition with her. We're basically telling her, you don't got to worry about anything. Because that's the other thing. The existing tenants go through this fear kind of like when they're if you're in a company that gets bought out by another company 
Are you guys going to keep me around? Are you going to make me leave? You know, how's this going to work? And, uh, you know, makes it real easy just calming everyone's fears down and doing that. But there's nothing that we ever choose. Like, like we don't ever say you can't be our tenant because of this, that, or the other in terms of something that's any of those boxes you clicked off. It's mainly, do I think that you're actually going to pay me or not? Do I trust you? And, mm-hmm. you know... And that's excellent. Yeah, and for better or worse, I do think that your body does inevitably over time display your character. And that might be weird to say, but I think it's true. You, know, you can tell someone who is devious. You just pick up on it, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. You can feel it. And I guess you're probably actually the best person to do this, because you do confessions all the time. And I know I can't ask about a specific confession, but you see people come in and telling you what's wrong with them and what's going on all the time. Is there... Is that am I completely off base by saying that your body just presents I'm doing this wrong in this capacity or just general personality traits or am I just seeing something that's not there? Well, certainly our as St. John Paul said it so eloquently, the body is the language of the soul. And so there are things that we can read from the body that tell us what's going on inside. That's a very imprecise, uh, it's not a science, it's an art, but there is a, a connection. That's why we have lie detector tests and we have, there are, there are bodily things that even can be measured at that level that give some indication of what's going on underneath. Imperfect, but very real and, and very practical, at least to give us uh, a sense of what's happening. Uh, in terms of confession, I hear a lot of confessions behind the screen, so I don't necessarily get the body language, I get a voice, but uh, even that, I've, ha- I've learned that I have to be a little bit careful. Sometimes people are so anxious and then they overcompensate for their anxiety by being a little bit monotone and they're confessing sometimes significant things in a very matter-of-fact way that earlier in my priestly life, I got a little irritated about like, do you know this is a serious thing? That's what's going on inside of me. And I might find reason or ways to push on that a little bit. I discovered over time, no, they're, they're just, there's a, a certain ritual that's happening in confession. It's a sacrament. There's a rite of confession. And so they're going through their side of the right, which is to confess their sins. It's not to be emotional. It's not to tell me everything that's going on inside of them. It's to confess their sins. And my side of it is to give them absolution, perhaps a little bit of direction, and a penance. Mm-hmm. And so that's the fundamental quality of celebrating that right together. And so anyway, I, I had to adjust my approach to confession a little bit from some of my interior disposition to the reality of, of what's going on there. But uh, certainly when people come face to face, and you can see when people are ashamed and and they're struggling but the beautiful thing about confession is they want to do better Mm -hmm. so they're being honest they want healing and they want to do better and so that's really a a different situation than somebody that's trying to lie or manipulate to get their their way on you know an apartment or Mm -hmm. or something so father yeah that's a uh, that's that's yes very different situation there because you're right you're coming into sacrament you're coming into to want to confess you're not trying to to gain anything per se, at least in terms of getting a house for the next foreseeable future, so that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. So, 
Yeah, that was just, just general questions I had. So how do we promote those benefits that come from the faith? I mean, you know, a lot of times when we're out there, we talk about these are the rules you have to follow and why. Kind of, you know, the, the five-year-old version. You got to do this, don't put your hand on the fire type rules of, of the faith. But we don't really ever get into the benefits therein. Because I know from the business side of it, things can be pretty black and white. This is going to be less of a problem if we go this direction than this direction. And there's a lot of thoughts you don't ever really put extra thought into. And you don't dive deep into it. You know, especially if it's something you've already done before. You know, When I first started renovating my houses, I'd be in Home Depot for four hours picking out the materials and all this. Five years later... I just go that one, that one, that one, that one, and because a I've made the choices before, and b it's just now kind of second nature. So how do we, on the business side, bring more of the positive benefits of the faith? Because there are tremendous ones. You know, everyone would rather have um, positive employees that are honest and not going to steal from you, opposed to the opposite, where there's like repressed anger that you're not following the politically correctness road enough. Um, so how do we continue to go down that direction of, of encouraging it in a way that is going to be both beneficial and, um, and positive and meaningful? Well, I think, Joe, that the, the management, the ownership can make a significant difference. I remember a friend of mine was a manager for Target, and he told me about their their training, their principles, and I don't know, again, this is secondhand, I don't know all the details, but he, my friend was a very faithful Catholic and really had a great understanding of theology and, and spiritual theology, and and he said basically what they're promoting is virtues, and they had certain qualities of uh, hospitality and generosity and uh, self-sacrifice and honesty, integrity, these kinds of things that were essentially virtues. They'd taken the Christian message of Christian anthropology and translated that into business-specific things. And he was very impressed with it. That, And then they also had to, the management and ownership had to model this and live it as well as promote it and then reward it. And then you start to cultivate, and those are all human things. They're actually taught by Christianity, certainly, but they're really human things. One doesn't need to believe in Jesus in order to develop those qualities, although believing in Jesus helps a whole lot <laughs> for developing those qualities. And that's where we sort of have this uh, space between the human and the the religious or the, the spiritual that the spiritual reinforces the human. There's a certain amount that we can do just because God has given us a certain amount in our humanity, but if we want to go deeper, if we want to go farther, if we want support in that, then uh, our religious practice and our religious belief makes a huge difference. Just to give you uh, one other example, uh, a very well, one of the qualities that Pope Francis has promoted a very much that comes from Christianity is joy. He says the Christian should be joyful. Uh, a, a, uh, a sad Christian is really a contradiction in terms. 
Now, obviously, Christians have sad moments, but there should be a joy that comes from our faith. Our faith should provide a strength that, that leads to a joy. And I would also say peace. Even in the midst of great struggles and trials, a Christian who's a real believer sees that God's hand is at work and he's able to carry a peace into those trials that helps him to continue to be rational and also to derive wisdom from his prayer and his relationship with God. And those are things that we can't treasure and promote highly enough because they are infinite, infinitely valuable. It really is a treasure in the field that's worth selling everything for. It really is a pearl of great price. And so the joy, the peace, the strength that comes from commitment and a relationship with God is inestimable in value. Now, again, the business owner, someone like Art Rooney, mm -hmm. has the potential to really promote this culture. Everybody on the Steelers doesn't need to be a Christian, but they can see very clearly and they can appreciate in the owner what the value of Christianity is. And that's the kind of example that we can give to promote the faith, to propose the faith. I, I thank you for this, um, these examples. You know, I think that that's something that, that as I go through the business every day and try to get it moving in the direction to be able to make every aspect of life to be moving forward towards this goal. It's, um, and I think it's a good conversation. I appreciate you having it with us here today, and I hope that it was something that everyone out there listening, whether you're a business owner or where you're at on the ladder, um, is helpful for you. So I thank everyone for listening. We will be here next week, and we'll talk to you then. Thank you, guys.